from the guy who's read more about Bitcoin than anybody else you know, this is a Guy's Take episode. What is up, Crypto Economy crew? Welcome back to the Crypto Economy podcast. I have got a guy's take episode today because I wanted to, um, tomorrow's quick read is going to be a blog post from BitRefill that is talking about all of the amazing, it is literally a list of a ton of the tech that is coming to the Lightning Network. And uh, I have a, we have a lot of new listeners recently. So, uh, Undoubtedly, nobody has had the time to go back and listen to 247 episodes yet, uh, all talking about lightning. So I want to do a basic overview, and I think this will actually be a really good high-level conversation, even for people who know about the Lightning Network and um, have some idea of what's going on in the contract. I think it's always a really good idea to have a, a refresher. I mean, I constantly need to kind of refresh my thoughts on it and kind of think out the whole thing again um, for understanding, like for understanding like channel balances, um, why you run into certain limitations or a payment will fail uh, even after you've opened a channel and like things like that. Because there's a lot of nuance involved here. And if you don't know kind of the underlying architecture, uh, you're not going. You're going to run into problems that you don't know how to solve, or you don't know where they came from. And particularly for anyone developing, or for anyone who is following development, uh, it, it's important to have that like really broad overview, so that you can know what development is really important. Uh, you know what problems you know should be prioritized, and of course, if you're a developer, you know how to solve those problems. So. Um, uh, so I think this will actually be really beneficial to both the people who feel like they know a lot about Lightning, because I think it's just good for a refresher for myself, um, and then obviously people who really don't know anything about Lightning or uh, outside of the fact that, you know, it's it's a payment network on top of Bitcoin. Um, and largely my uh, inspiration for uh, doing this was uh, the programming Lightning workshop that I did with Pierre Richard which was really, really great. And I got to play around with Python and uh, uh, really digging into how this works with the uh, gRPC library, which was really fun because I'm not, I'm not a big, I'm not huge on developing. And I, mean, I just, I don't really know what I'm doing there. And I like being able to work with it. Like, I really want to learn that stuff. Uh, but it just reminded me uh, the, how complex the contract is uh, because he went into the whole, Check sequence verify hashtag lock, hash time lock verify um, uh, the uh, time lock uh, uh, contract like like just all the specifics of the inputs the outputs uh, and uh, where the keys are and stuff and it's just so crazy complicated um, that it just got me it just got me thinking about it again and realized that I didn't really like my grasp on it was really good uh, like eight months ago when I was digging into it. But um, it fades with time because it's just a very complex thing. And uh, so I wanted to do a refresher. And I think I'm actually going to make, uh, make a really detailed breakdown, like a mini course, um, a quick course, <laughs> uh, a quick course on the, uh, 
just the, the, the go through the actual scripts and maybe even go through like a full uh, a funding commitment and then closing transaction uh, with the actual Bitcoin scripts. Like I want to really dive into this for somebody who wants to know it at that level um, and then maybe charge a little bit, maybe make it a uh, donate what you want or something. I don't know, but I think it would be a really fun thing to, to dive deeply into for somebody who really wants the, the programming specifics of it, um, uh, but just wants to understand everything involved in the contract to the point that they could almost write it themselves uh, in a Bitcoin script. So I've been thinking about doing something like that as well, just for the people who want to take that extra, uh, that extra deep approach in understanding it. In fact, if uh, anybody thinks that's a good idea or would be interested in that, please let me know. Uh, that will encourage me to actually get to work on that if I think it could actually pay me a little bit back for like, people who really want to go uh, that deep into the contract. Otherwise, if it's a little hard to judge the interest and it doesn't seem like anybody's super excited, it might be something that takes me a little bit longer to get to or... I could easily get distracted with something else because I am working on quite a few things in the background here. And uh, uh, a lot of it still needs to kind of get to those final stages. In the meantime, though, if somebody wants to dive a little bit deeper uh, before something like that is out after listening to this episode, I can tell you Pierre Richard has really, really great stuff. Uh, Aaron Von Wordham's three part lightning series. it's on uh, bitcoinmagazine.com. You can actually get the audio version I did on the show on episodes 47, 48, and 49, and I try my best to sum it up afterward. That article series was actually like completely pivotal in my understanding of Lightning Network when I was first diving into it. Um, and uh, that's actually what I talked to. I, I, uh, if you saw my Twitter post, I actually chatted with uh, Aaron Von Wordham for like I don't know, 20 minutes or so at the MCC after party. And that was, that was a lot of what we talked about. And because uh, that, was, that was a huge, huge shift um, when I finally wrapped my head around that. And it was because of that article series. Uh, and he and I have both, basically his source at the time was Rusty Russell, who was another great source. So all three of those, Pierre Richard, Aaron Von Wertham, and Rusty Russell are great sources to dig really deep into what's going on behind Lightning. But for now, uh, I will just hit kind of a high-level overview. I'm not going to use any of the actual tech jargon. Uh, I, might, I might throw one in there just, to, just so you can know that that's what I'm referencing. But this will be much more high-level just so you can visualize in your head what's going on in the contract. So this will be kind of a, a what, why, and how of lightning in just a very as simple of like like just a simple english version of uh, what's go- what's going on there uh, but i will reference kind of the internet a bit in how it works and which i've done more deeply in uh, previous articles uh and uh or excuse me previous guys take episodes and articles that i've read obviously um but uh let's go ahead and just jump in uh this will be the what the why and the how of lightning so first off, what is Lightning? Lightning is, is a network on Bitcoin, full stop. Uh, it's very similar to how uh, TCP IP addresses are used to establish connections built on an Ethernet network. 
with like through routers and switches and across many different computers. And then after establishing that connection, you can just send and receive data packets uh, to and from the destination. Uh, uh, and you can, you know, create HTML code to make it visually understandable. You can do all this other stuff with it. Very similar to that, um, how that network is stacked on top of the underlying Ethernet network. Lightning is stacked on top of the Bitcoin network. And it's, it's very akin to the design philosophy of the internet in the fact that you want a robust uh, broadcast layer network with Ethernet uh, and routing switches and all that good stuff. And then you want a lighter weight TCP IP uh, that allows you to expand into huge feature sets and be far more dynamic with what you do with that information uh, that you don't actually have to put uh, you don't have to build those features or the maintenance into the base layer. The base layer largely stays untouched and unchanged with Ethernet and TCP IP, and then you can do uh, all this advanced stuff and these features and stuff with the HTML and the packets sent over TCP IP. A very similar design philosophy and uh, uh, kind of a, a process in building it out. Uh, the only difference is that Lightning, whereas TCP, IP, and HTML are a uh, protocol stack for sending information back and forth, uh, Lightning is the beginning of the protocol stack for um, transmitting and building a contractual network with value uh, based in, like, with Bitcoin reserves, essentially. All right, so uh, let's first hit Brief overview, what is a Bitcoin transaction? Bitcoin transaction is very simple. You sign the current location of the Bitcoin. Bitcoin is attached to a certain public key, uh, which is, you know, looks like an address when you're looking at it on the blockchain. Uh, and um, uh, you sign that because you have the private key and you now make it part of this new transaction where it subtracts it from the old location and then sends it to a new address or, again, a public key of whoever controls the coins. Very, very basic. It's the address that it's coming from, the address it's going to, and then the signature of the person who, uh, uh, who owns it currently uh, so that it can be freely removed from the current balance and sent to a new one. Um, this is really secure, and it is really straightforward. But just like the physical Ethernet like broadcast layer, it is a broadcast network. Like with Ethernet, every device that's connected to a, an Ethernet network, like if you're just like the way the Internet actually was when it was just a few hundred computers, is that every single request was actually bounced to every single computer. Like it was just sent out like blanket broadcast to every computer and they send it out to all the other ones and then the one that received it was like oh hey this is for me and it would be the only one that did not continue to broadcast it uh, forward. Bitcoin is essentially the same process to send a transaction which is recorded on the actual blockchain in this way it's sent out to the entire world every node that's on the network um, just like Ethernet before we had routers and switches and TCP IP Literally everyone who's keeping a record of the blockchain, currently somewhere between like, it bounces around a lot, but it's somewhere between like 70,000 and 100,000 different computers. Uh, they're, they, what they are doing is they're validating real Bitcoin from fake Bitcoin for themselves and then also preventing people from sending 
uh, inaccurate or false information across the network by basically being a wall between that uh, bad information and the rest of the people connecting to the network. Every single one of those nodes must store every single transaction forever broadcast uh, to, to the base layer of Bitcoin. Um, so it's highly inefficient from a data storage and validation sense, but it is astoundingly efficient from a trust and security perspective because you're telling the whole world about it. You know, if I, like right now, just, just think about it in the context of like, let's just say we have verbal agreements. Like if I secretly tell you we have an agreement, uh, it's not very safe because you just have to trust that I'm going to be held to that. If I broadcast it on Twitter or Facebook, if I tell the entire world that I'm going to pay you $5 and then that I'm going to pay you $5 tomorrow, everybody else will hold me to that agreement. That's essentially what Bitcoin does is that uh, on the base layer, we're telling the entire world that uh, we just made this transaction. And then the fascinating thing about putting it in a block is that it now has an irreversibility. You have to do all of this computation uh, in order to reverse it. So everybody in the world knows about it, and it costs an enormous amount of money to try to reverse it. Uh, That's the underlying design that makes Bitcoin revolutionary. It accepts an enormous computational inefficiency in order to gain a revolutionary way to secure and validate transactions without any third party and, and with knowing that the entire world is on the exact same page. Or, or block in this instance, as to what the current accurate state of the whole global financial network is, and thus anything built on top of it, in this case, the Lightning Network. So this immediately kind of leads to why big blocks create such a significant risk. The why of the Lightning? Why do we need Lightning then? Uh, as soon as trying to validate uh, the process of validating what is a real Bitcoin from a fake Bitcoin and uh, uh, confirming that information is accurate and follows the rules instead of uh, uh, a lie or cheating of the rules, as soon as that process becomes a huge hassle or requires some enormous data center or some massive dedicated machine and like 20 T1 internet lines with unlimited bandwidth, well then the permissionlessness, the, the individual validation aspect of Bitcoin, the very thing that makes it revolutionary, is just no longer present. It's just gone. So you simply start, it turns into a system where you're just trusting a network of miners or giant uh, servers like Google or Facebook or Visa or whatever to tell you what a real Bitcoin is, just like, just like you currently have to trust uh, those uh, payment processing and banking networks to uh, tell you what your balance is and to protect you from fraud or unpayable liabilities or uh, money printing uh, gone awry, and obviously we can see anybody who knows or has kept up with and like studied the banking crisis and our huge debt and liabilities that like are tens, twenty, hundred multiples of actual reserves that we have going on knows that it doesn't do a very good job. Trusting people just leaves you open to corruption and being cheated. Uh, so, um. So it's, in, so it's very important that we don't lose that aspect of Bitcoin uh, where we don't have to trust and we can validate ourselves because otherwise Bitcoin is not the incredible technology that it actually is. Um, 
And with TCP IP and switches and routers and uh, uh, servers and all this stuff, it, we created a way to perform unicast transactions or transactions or uh, uh, send information that only goes to a single party rather than what was going on at the Ethernet layer where everybody, you just broadcast it out to everybody on the network and then they broadcast it out to everybody, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so rather than connecting devices uh, straight to each other from like a direct Ethernet line, everybody could connect to local switches and be part of this giant tiered uh, network, like address structure. Um, that's what the TCP IP did, is that it, it created this way to locate devices within this giant um, collection of networks that were all tied together, which is shockingly similar in how it works to the whole, like your physical address, how you have your country, then you have your state, then you have your city and your zip code and your street, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And it, that's actually very similar to what's going on with an IP address. Um, it's, it's kind of like the country, state, city, street um, analogy, except that it's based on where you are in the network structure rather than some explicit geographic location. It might, it might make it able to determine where you are geographically, but that's not actually what those addresses are. Um, it's, it's basically which, um, it's basically going out to the broadest network and then labeling, like then dropping you back down to more specific and local networks. That's what those, that's what those different numbers are in an IP address. Um, so this is actually similar to what Lightning does with Bitcoin transactions. They become unicast, where you have uh, a specific destination and you don't broadcast it to anyone. You just, it's only sent to the parties involved in getting it routed to its destination. So only you and the party that's receiving those transactions have to worry about them in the short term. And to get them to their destination, only the specific computers or nodes uh, that are connecting the sender to the receiver are the ones that even have to be involved or even see that it's going on. Uh, even though they're onion routed and anybody in the middle actually doesn't know where they start or end, uh, that's irrelevant, but um, just an interesting little side point. Uh, so, and the other interesting thing is that they never have control over the actual uh, connection. They can essentially refuse to route if they wanted to. They can never actually take the funds. It's sort of like, it's actually exactly like how information is private over an HTTPS connection. You know, we got the little green lock in the top corner of your web browser. Well, that means that even though you might be going through 15 computers to get to Google, or to get to uh, Visa, your banking, or whatever it is that you're logging into, none of those computers in the middle can read the data. They are just sending the data forward. Well, in that same way, none of the new nodes or computers uh, sending your transaction forward can actually unlock the funds. They are still locked all the way to their destination. Uh, they are simply routing the information, just like they... Uh, route the information on a normal internet connection, but they can't read it. Uh, so uh, every time you pay with your online, you know, if, if that encryption wasn't there, every time you paid online with your debit card, then every computer you bounced to to get to Google or uh, uh, Amazon or whoever it was, well, they could just save your data and then go on a shopping spree. 
So, so how does Lightning pull this off? Um, uh, we're going to get into that in just a second. I've got to go get something else to drink real fast. Um, and then we will jump right into this. We'll first talk about a normal transaction uh, and when we know it's secure. And then we'll talk about how Lightning gets around this limitation. And while I'm gone, we'll hit our sponsor real quick. And uh, I'll be right back. Okay, so how does Lightning pull this off? Well, first, like when we're sending a normal transaction, uh, if, if it doesn't have any confirmations, like if it's not on the blockchain, if we haven't sent it out to the broadcast layer, um, then it's not secure. It needs to be in a block for someone to know that it's not going to be spent somewhere else. I mean, yeah, you could just hold on to the transaction and not broadcast it, um, but that does not stop anyone from sending those same Bitcoins that they sent to you to someone else until it gets included in a block and stored on the global blockchain. So technically, we could just send each other tons of transactions and just never broadcast them all day long and then, you know, figure out what the final balance was at the end of the day, which is what a bank does in, in a sense. And uh, uh, then we would, we would have the quote-unquote ability to redeem the coins if we wanted uh, and just would not have to, but then we would be trusting each other. And the problem is that our security is gone. So how do we stretch the security over like a certain period of time but still prevent ourselves from having to broadcast every single transaction on the chain? Well, uh, basically what we need is a, a quote, like a, like, a, like a live contract, one that we can keep updating, but that gives us some means of guaranteeing that old versions of that contract can't be redeemed, that only the last uh, update is the valid one, since it's, you know, every time we do a transaction, the balances are new, we only want that last balance to be the one uh, that can be uh, redeemed on the blockchain. So these are called payment channels, um, and this is what Lightning uses. Uh, it's a, it's a quote-unquote live contract, um, and Satoshi himself actually uh, worked on uh, multiple different versions of payment channels. Like This, this was a very old idea, and uh, uh, Satoshi worked on it in an effort to make the system work in a trustless or trust-minimized way, but was just never able to work out all the details. Um, I think the uh, the sequence, uh, the payment channel sequence that he created was actually, uh, I think it actually required you to broadcast the entire stack of transactions that were ever in that channel. Um, so in the case of a cooperative close, everything worked out great and you could offload 100 transactions off the blockchain. But if you did 100 transactions and then something went wrong at the end, the only way to the only way to make sure that you got the final transaction is you had to broadcast every all 100 of them. So it was not really a space savings um, in the adversarial situation. So it actually was not until uh, 2015 when the Lightning Network white paper came out, um, which uh, I can't remember exactly the day, but you can check it out on my Bitcoin holidays calendar on CryptoEconomy.life. Uh, I've got the actual date up there if you want to celebrate Lightning White Paper Day. But Taj Dreja and Joseph Poon released the Lightning Network White Paper. Uh, and that was finally the conceptual solution 
to the very difficult task of a trustless payment channel that you could just update indefinitely, that you could send money both ways, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So what does this lightning contract actually do? Well, it is very complex and very subtle, but I'm going to give my best uh, high-level overview without going into the very very nitty-gritty of check sequence verify, hash type time lock contracts, uh, all the three-branch outputs and blah, 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 all that good stuff. So the first thing that happens in a lightning contract is opening a channel with another node. In doing this, what you do is you basically create a joint account where both users have to sign in order to remove coins from the account. And this is sent just like a normal Bitcoin transaction, except that instead of sending it, you broadcast it to the chain. Uh, it's at the broadcast layer and it's stored in the blockchain. Uh, but instead of that normal one where you just sign it from your address and to the next person's address, that to address, the one that it's going to, is a joint account between you and the node that you're opening a channel with. So what this does, after it gets confirmed on the blockchain and starts getting you know, more and more, many more blocks deep into the uh, history of the blockchain, this will act as the reserve for the contract that we're writing. So think of it like a bar tab, except that you had to put uh, you know, $100 on the table before you spent anything. It, very similar, like, like you know, they scan your card before you open the tab, right? Um, except in this case, it's cash, so you actually have to know the full balance exists. Um, so nothing that isn't already confirmed in the on-chain transaction can be spent within the channel. Because here on out, we are only signing transactions that we do not broadcast to the network. So we have to know that the funds being signed are present and we know that the funds cannot be stolen because it needs both of our signatures. I can't just run away with it by myself, and neither can you. We have to agree at the same time. But that's not enough. Like, what if you have a heart attack? Or maybe you're just an ass and you want me to lose bitcoins. So we actually write a transaction to redeem those coins from the joint account before broadcasting it. So immediately when we start this channel, we're actually both able to get our coins back out. But this redemption transaction is very special. It actually has three different, um, like three different possible uh, and completely separate outcomes uh, that could be used to get those coins back. So where a normal transaction just has a single flow from uh, address A to address B, sign it and we're done, a lightning transaction can be, deemed, can be redeemed under three different sets of conditions. Uh, first, we'll cover the very basic everything goes right scenario. If I sign it with the final balance and then you sign it, uh, and then we just close the joint account with both signatures, uh, whatever, whatever you own inside the channel is sent to you, whatever I own is sent to me. Very simple. But we don't want to do this yet. We, the whole point is to keep it open so that we can make lots and lots of transactions in the future and that this channel will help us pay a tiny comparative fee and not have to wait for all the confirmations on the blockchain. So we don't need to cooperative. We can always cooperatively close if we want to, uh, but that's just the happy end to our agreement where everything went right. 
Now, the second possible outcome is uh, in the case that either one of us closes while the other person is not around anymore. Like our previous example, maybe you have a heart attack. Maybe somebody forgot about the channel. Maybe I had a hard drive failure. Whatever the reason, we both need to, a way to get out in case the other person doesn't show up later. Uh, this is our one-sided refund clause, essentially. We each have the ability to refund our balance, but with a catch. We have to wait for a specific period of time. Uh, traditionally, I think, I think the default right now is like a day, if I'm not mistaken, um, uh, which is, what is it, 144 blocks or something like that? So uh, maybe it's a day, maybe it's two. I think I have one channel that's open that was actually custom set by uh, somebody in our liquidity channel, and it's like a whole week, uh, but it's also a rather big channel, so that makes sense. Um, and uh, uh, so whatever that wait time is, both, pe both peers have to agree to it. And it means that if we try to one-sided close our little agreement, uh, then the Bitcoins are not spendable for that period of time. Now, why would we do that? Well, because obviously we need to make sure that the other party has a time to jump in and challenge it if someone's trying to cheat or post an outdated version. We're going to have a lot of transactions in this channel. Like, so think of it like a bar tab. At the beginning of the night, I, only, I might only have one drink on it. Like I bought one drink. And then we update this 10 times throughout the night. And I, each, I get a new receipt every single time. That's what we're doing with the Lightning Network is we're uh, rewriting our receipt, essentially. And we update it 10, 10 times. And now I've spent like $200 on drinks. I'm a heavy drinker and uh, I buy really expensive drinks. Uh, only Grey Goose Vodka for me. Well, I still have that first receipt, right? I still have the one that says I only owe the bar one drink instead of uh, the, 10, the 10 drinks or whatever it is and the full $200. Well, what if I just broadcast that first one drink contract to the network? Well, if that gets confirmed, well, the bar is now out, of, out nine drinks. Like I just got a refund on nine drinks that I, that I had. But if I had to wait a day if I had to broadcast it publicly and then just sit around on my hands, well, then the bartender or the owner, whoever it is, they can just watch for the transaction and send out the final bill, the real uh, agreed-upon bill that, again, has both of our signatures with the 10 drinks on it, and it will void the old one that I sent. So that's the second path. That's the second part of this contract is it means that uh, it, it's a time delay for a single, a one-sided refund so that the other party can challenge and make sure that everybody is being honest and the, the final state is actually the one that gets put into the blockchain. And it null and voids any of the ones uh, earlier. And now we have a third part of the contract. And this one's a really important part of it. Like, why wouldn't I always just broadcast the one drink transaction every single time. Um, I mean, if all that's going to happen is they're going to publish the 10 drink transaction, uh, why wouldn't I just see what happens and, you know, maybe I'll get lucky and catch the bartender not paying attention? I mean, maybe, you know, I probably won't get away with it if I've got to, if, if I've got to wait a day, but I could at least try to cheat 
And maybe one day it'll land in my favor. Maybe one day I'll get a free refund. Well, the third path institutes a punishment clause, a, sure to, a, a sort of a, uh, like an insurance contract against cheating. So let's go back to the example where I, and, and say, like where I had to put cash on the table. Let's say I put $300 to back the potential tab. I'm ready for some heavy drinking. And then I spend throughout the night $200. Now, if I try to broadcast the version where I only owed one drink, the bartender can, and in the case of the Lightning Network, will automatically do so, immediately be able to snatch the entire $300 off the table because I have published a version of our little contract that's already been voided. So this is how we can update this tab over and over and over again. And the bartender knows that I have no reason to try to renege on the drinks that I've bought because I already signed a part of the contract that says, if I do this, you can take all the money off the table. Uh, And then the second path in that contract that we talk about is what makes me wait a day for him to be able to do this. Um, So if I try to close my tab without the bartender's signature, well, this is the time that the bartender has to pick up that stack of cash off the table and punish me for, you know, being a jackass. Well, this is how we can continually update these transactions with just me and the bartender involved. And we don't have to tell anyone else involved because the public blockchain already knows there's a time delay that, um, or that both signatures need to be there. And the only transactions that either one of us has uh, have all of these stipulations in it, so nobody can just steal the coins from the from the tab. Um, uh, so I'd be just I'd be a complete idiot to try to cheat the bar out of money because I've already explicitly agreed to pay and signed all these stipulations in the contract, and uh, he can just give me drinks all night and be no con- have no concern whatsoever, uh, and not have to trust me at all. He can just make sure that he's got his contract uh, ready and waiting. And he watches the public network to make sure that uh, uh, I don't uh, publish anything else uh, that, you know, contest his version. Now, this, this is the really cool part. Um, we've got a really fascinating trustless contract here, and we can move back and forth. You know, like he can refund me for a transaction easily. We can just keep updating this receipt. But what if I don't want to pay the bar? What if I want to pay you? and you're in the bar. What if you have a bar tab, just the same as I do, with the same bartender? Well, we can easily update our own channels, our own tabs, with the bartender, without needing to worry about anybody cheating. So we can actually pay each other through our joint accounts with the bar. I can pay the bar $5, then the bar pays you $5. In the end, you have $5 higher balance, I have $5 less, and the bartender is still owed the exact same amount, just in different tabs. And uh, and he has all the cash sitting right on the bar, you know, which is you know locked with all the sorts of keys necessary, so nobody can just pick it up. But he can see that all the cash is there, and he has he doesn't care like whether the cash is in his right hand or his left hand. It's the same cash. He's got the cash. So we can actually do this any number of times. Uh, Maybe you have a channel. Or, you know, a tab with uh, uh, the bar, but then you also have one with Bill. Bill has a channel or a tab with Alice, 
She has a tab with Walmart, and they have a tab with Starbucks. Well, thanks to the miracle of computers, we can route through all of these channels. Everybody can update our contract at each stage, and in barely a second, I can pay $5 to Starbucks by going bar, you, bill, Alice, Walmart, Starbucks. And nobody has to know or care how many different computers it went through to get there. Just like when we connect to Google or Anchor or iTunes, whatever you're listening to this on, you might be going through, you know, 10 switches and five servers to get that connection there. But you don't care that you're moving through 15 computers. You, and you don't see it. It just happens. So this makes for really, really interesting dynamics uh, regarding, like, capacity limitations, how to balance a channel. Like, if I've got all my money uh, on the bar's side of the tab, like, if I've already spent my full $300, well, then I can't send Starbucks $5 because I've got nothing to push to the bar. But maybe I'm receiving a refund from Starbucks because, you know, they make shite coffee. And, <laughs> well, well, I can get the refund through my bar tab channel and instead buy a vodka Sprite at the bar, which is what I wanted anyway, because I'm a drunk. So this same thing goes for receiving a paycheck, spending money at a store, getting money from a friend, etc., etc. It has this dynamic of uh, whether you can send or receive through a tab, and that's when you have to close or you have to balance, or you have to shift stuff around. It's really, really, really interesting dynamics going on, which is why there's so much development uh, in Lightning with tools to solve those problems, to make sure you always have liquidity so that you have a fallback when one channel doesn't work or that uh, if you end up with all your money in your right hand and none in your left hand, well, then maybe you can just send it out through a couple of other people's tabs and make it so that, you know, technically you should be able to give just money from your right to your left hand, right? You know, nothing wrong there. You can route to yourself. So uh, hopefully that gets the point across and kind of explains a high-level overview of what's going on in Lightning and why we can route it through a bunch of different nodes. Um, and this should give us a basic introduction to what Lightning's doing and lead us into mar tomorrow's quick read, which is going to be a really fun discussion. Uh, it's a bit refill article. It's a blog post by them about all the insane technology and features coming to Lightning to make this process seamless and hide the fact that there are liquidity problems or that you have to balance channels or that sometimes you have to go on-chain or off-chain, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And if you don't have this basic overview of what's happening, you're not going to understand why some of these features are really important or uh, why they're game changers into fixing or uh, routing around the limitations of the, pro of the underlying protocol. So we're going to talk about all that and uh, how I, I personally think that in just a few short years, we will actually just have the equivalent of like a hot wallet it's going to be seamless and indistinguishable. It's going to be a combination of Bitcoin and Lightning, and the user just won't see it. They'll be able to pay either balance, either like a Bitcoin invoice or a Lightning invoice with the exact same wallet, and they won't really know what's what. They'll just know that one costs a little bit more than another, or one uh, takes a specific amount, like takes a little bit more time than the other. Like it's a, it'll be a speed or a uh, price uh, difference. Um, 
And uh, so we will jump into that uh, article tomorrow. Uh, but I think this will close us out. So that's, that's the what, the why, and the how of lightning. Uh, a basic overview to lead us into tomorrow's episode so we can talk about all these cool features and protocol improvements that are on the way. Uh, and you'll understand why they're important and uh, uh, what they mean in the use case of lightning. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, thank you for listening. This is a guys take episode of the Crypto Economy Podcast, and I am Guy Swan. It is my take that you are listening to. So uh, thanks. Uh, uh, don't forget to share this out with everybody you know in the Bitcoin space so they too can listen to all the best Bitcoin articles and the most important opinion, mine, in the Bitcoin space. And, uh, you know, you subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, all that stuff. is I'm, We're everywhere. All the platforms. And uh, uh, if you would like to donate to the show, if you would like to support the show, uh, sharing is a really great way, and I super, super appreciate it. But basically, I do make a little bit of money on uh, sponsorships, but uh, it's very, very minimal right now, and most of what I earn is off of donations. So if you would like to donate to the show, uh, uh, I would highly, highly appreciate it. Thank you so much. If you're getting value out of this, it really, really means a lot uh, to donate to the show. You can do that on cryptoeconomy.life. Uh, I got a tip and dot me jar, which you can actually tip. Uh, Lightning Network, just right on the, find me on Twitter at the crypto economy. Um, but that's also on cryptoeconomy.life, the website. And I think I'm finally, finally going to have um, a, a pretty big update coming to the website because I have really let that uh, just kind of stay stagnant for about a week or two um, at this point because I've been working on some other stuff. And so I haven't been doing blog posts up there lately. But uh, check out the website. Uh, I got some fun stuff coming in the next couple of days. And uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening. This is the Crypto Economy Podcast. I am Guy Swan, and I am out. I will catch you all tomorrow with our wonderful Bit Refill article. Until next time, take it easy, guys. <laughs> <laughs>